1: And welcome to the Thursday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast. It's Thursday, which if you're a loyal listener, and I'm sure all of you are, that means that I'm your host, David Ubb, and today with my co-host, Mitch Light, one of our uh, athletic uh, college football editors, a crack staff we have. Um, Mitch, we got a lot to get to today. It's coaching carousel season. In uh, in in full speed, I suppose right now a very normal coaching carousel. Uh, our friends uh, on the internet, Mister uh, Fred Siegel of Freezing Cold, takes the uh, there's no gonna be there's not gonna be a coaching carousel this year, or it will be slowed down. Maybe an all time bad take by just about everybody in the business. I would say.
2: Yeah, what we've learned, and I think South Carolina was the first lesson. While it is expensive, especially in the SEC, it is expensive to buy out bad coaching contracts. In some cases. It's more expensive to keep a coach that you know you are not uh, in love with, so to say, that you're not wed to for the long term. Uh, South Carolina school that uh, draws very well depends a lot on attendance numbers. You know, they they when they're good or when they're actually when they're bad they still draw well, but when they're good they pack that place and they can't afford. well, They made the decision they can't afford to have a lame duck coach. Um, Auburn's decision was a little bit different and I, I, you've talked about it, I listened to you and Andy and I know you guys have talked about it all week and, and Vanderbilt's was was different as well seven years under Derek Mason so I think in the SEC all three were slightly different but the bottom line is it didn't matter what year we're in if you know you're not uh, if that's not the guy long term you just had to make the move and I, I, I'm that's fine I mean it's especially Auburn I mean you might know more about this than me but it seems like There's going to be heavy booster involvement with buying out the contract. Um, Yes. It's not necessarily school writing the check. Uh, It depends. Some places it's the school, some places it's the booster. If someone wants to pony up that money, who are we to tell them no?
1: Indeed. Private funds uh, certainly more palatable than public funds. Uh, So, what we're doing today is looking at the 11 guys who did not get fired yet, anyway, and seeing who's the most secure, who's the least secure. But before we get to that, thank you guys for subscribing. Thank you for tuning in. If you're not subscribed, you can do that on your podcast, Purveyor of Choice. Get this episode delivered directly to your device. And you should uh, be following all our coverage of the coaching carousel, recruiting, all that stuff uh, from our uh, college football team at The Athletic. You can subscribe, theathletic.com slash grits. That gets you everything behind the paywall, every sport, all that stuff. So, Mitch, I... We, maybe we have different criteria here, but this is a complicated um, equation in some ways of whose seat is the hottest. I think my list is, is three things, and let me know if you diverge from this. One, this is a list of kind of where you are now, but number two, if you have capital stored up, if you've done something there, if you've uh, shown you can do it, or you've got a nice little buyout... That's going to move you up the list. It's not a ranking of who's the best coach or, you know, or who is the most established. It's how likely are you to, to lose your job. And then I think the, the question that you really need to ask that I think was the sort of defining one for me is how much jeopardy would you be in with one bad year in 2021? And that can tell you a lot. So those two factors really focus on two main coaches on my list. But let's start with number 11. Who is on your list yeah, and just to back up, basically that was the same criteria I used. The only thing I really didn't mm-hmm. factor in
2: too much was the the buyout, um, which I mm-hmm. should. But I, I just kind of went over how much jeopardy are, are you in, how much mm-hmm. capital do you have, how how much does your fan base like you? So number yeah. eleven for I guess the hottest seat would be Jeremy Pruitt for me.
1: Yes, considering that he could still possibly get fired. This right. Year. If we did this next, if I, we did this
2: exercise next week, we might be having only ten coaches. Yeah, didn't ten get coaches.
1: Fired. I think it's um. You know the deal with him. I think it's, you know, he was the opposite of Butch um, in a lot of ways, and fans liked that. You know, he doesn't really care about um, sort of the glitz and and uh, and the you know slogans. social media stuff and all that stuff and slogans and catchphrases and the marketing of his program. He doesn't. He's not really into that. He's a football coach. I think there's a I think there's a medium in there um, between where Butch was and be, and between where Jeremy Pruitt is that they probably could find, but. Ultimately, they're not getting it on the field, and whatever you say or do. I mean, I said this when he got hired. You know, the 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 grammar and the the haw sort of stuff was going to be really endearing if they won. It's like, oh, this is our guy. You know, Southern football, let's go. And I said, and if he starts losing, it's going to be this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know English. All this stuff. And sure enough, you know, you have this sort of you know hashtag dump gump thing going, and you have like it's just kind of like okay, but ultimately. Nobody is more uh, in danger than Jeremy Pruitt, and I don't think it's much more complicated than the results aren't there. Don't right. lose by four touchdowns on your home field at Kentucky, and you'll be okay.
2: Right. There's nothing really – I mean, every program is some off-the-field stuff, but there's nothing off the field. This, this is a results – You know, we, we yeah. are evaluating Jeremy Pruitt for his results. So I think that mm-hmm. was easy. Who's number 10? Yes. Are, are we calling it number 10 or number two on our list? That, it just depends on which, which eh,
1: order. I will say number 10. Okay. Number 10 for me, uh, Mr. Mike Leach. That's uh, who I have as well. Okay. Quick trigger perhaps, but if he you know, this year was was so bad and the offense was not really what they paid for. Um you have, you know, there's sort of a lot of roster turnover, more than you'd probably want to be comfortable with. You know, they're recruiting pretty well, that helps him. But ultimately, you know, you got rid of Joe Moorhead to do what? I mean, this has kind of been a step back and uh it sort of is what it is. And then you talk about capital, none, have a total outsider, no connection to Mississippi, um, and it hadn't, it hadn't been good. If he has another year where you know, next year they're going three and nine, I'm not sure he's back in 2022.
2: Yeah, and one thing he had going for him was his recruiting class was stronger than Lane Kiffin's, and the dust hasn't settled on the signing early signing period. But uh, on the first day of signing period, he lost – uh, one kid flipped to LSU, and one flit, fl- kid flipped to Ole Miss. And then Lane Kiffin posted on social media on Twitter a something about flipping kid. Uh, he had a T-shirt with Mary stadium, Flip. Yeah, he had a Mary yeah. Miss shirt. Which, yeah, Mary Miss shirt. Which I <laughs> props which, to
1: Lane. Lane has been uh, maybe even better than we thought he could have been in terms of just you know rocking the boat in the SEC. Yes. God bless him. <laughs> so
2: I I thought Leech at ten
1: was. You know, relatively easy. My, I, I struggled with nine. I, I'm going to let you go. First. I did. So I think once we get past this, I, I don't think anybody else on this list is in any real danger. Agreed. Some guys more more vulnerable than others. I would. I decided between two guys, and I'm going to go with the guy <laughs> that I think might be the SEC coach of the year. <laughs> Let's just tell and you all is there mystery. is about this exercise. It's true. But I think I'm going to go with Eli Drinkwitz. Okay. I I I I agonized over this, um, but I just think there's no capital built up there. He hasn't really done anything. It's sort of. You know, slightly – they had really low expectations this year. You know, there's whispers of, oh, can they even win a game? you got this really tough schedule. They've been really good this year. You've got Connor Bazelak. you got to love it. But if they take a step back next year, I mean, it's the same situation that Jeremy Pruitt is in. You would have never said – Jeremy Pruitt would have been five or six on this list three weeks ago, or three months ago, I mean. Um, You know, longest winning streak in the league coming into the season. Things can look really good. But when you start losing, and at Missouri that's easier to do than other places – it gets the walls cave in in a hurry. And so, it's not about it's not anything against Eli, but ultimately with no capital built up, if you have one bad year, you can be in some real real trouble.
2: Okay, I he's he's coming up soon on my list. I have Ed Ogeron. Okay.
1: That was the other guy that I considered.
2: Yeah, and obviously I still
1: think if they have a bad year next year, he could still survive.
2: Yeah, that's what you know kept him. Th- That's kind of what we said that none of these people, none of these coaches right now are in real danger, but it, it you, the questions about Ed Ogeron's tenure have resurfaced this year We now, mm-hmm. the, the doubters are now saying and we're just rehashing old thoughts that last year was the perfect storm this is now the Ed Ogeron so he kind of gets a pass this year because they were so young so many opt-outs quarterback gets hurt they rally to beat Florida but next year there's no excuse because all this young talent is older they've got a top five recruiting class coming in so if they revert mm-hmm. back to pre-2019 Ed O slash late Your less miles, the questions are going to rise again. in the eight and four is not going to cut it with the amount of talent they have on this um, team. You know, I'm not overly confident that Ed Ogeron is going to be the coach at Ole Miss, and I hope he is. We all like him. That in 2024, like it just. Mm -hmm. So I think next year is a big year. So that is why he is number nine on my list. And then I'll go, I'll go number eight. Who's your eight? I'll go to Lane Kiffin. Because of okay. all, all of these guys in the middle tier here, I think he's most likely to do something to piss off his administration, whether it's get caught flirting with him. I hadn't the factored that
1: in. You're probably right. I should have probably had him a little a little lower on my list. He was next, but yes, that's yeah. a good call. He's
2: like you're, one of your kids that you're just waiting for him to do something to piss you off. <laughs> and like he, you're, you're proud of him. You're happy that he's your child. But you're just waiting. A lot for of fun. Some, yeah, you're waiting for something to happen. So, um, and again, like I said, could be flirting with another job or just doing something dumb. So he's number eight. And then I'll go with my next one because you've already talked about him, Eli Drinkwitz. So, so yes. my, I've got Pruitt, Leach, Edo, Kiffin, and Drinkwitz. So I think we need your eight and seven to catch up.
1: My seven was Lane Kiffin, who, like I said, I'm now that you now that you talk about the sort of the loose cannon aspect of it, maybe I should have had him a little lower. But, same deal, the, I guess, co-SEC coach of the year, Sam Pittman. People are very high on him. But, again, there's some some serious coaches on this list. And it helps that he is very cheap. That helps his case. But, ultimately, you know, the expectations are raised now. He's shown a lot. But you haven't done anything. And when you look at the rest of the guys in this list, they've done some things. And, again, to reiterate, I don't think anybody past the bottom two on this list are in real trouble. But you have to ask yourself, if they if Arkansas comes back next year and they go 3-9, and nine, what happens? Things change in a hurry. And you look at the amount of capital he has built up and the possibility of what the rest of his tenure is going to look like at Arkansas, I think they'll be good. But the expectations were so low that I think he's maybe ballooned a little bit this year. Um, where, listen, I grew up in Arkansas. I know that program. They're not going to be happy going 7-5, and 8-4. and four. Fair or not, realistic or not, every now and then they want to be in the mix for the West title. And, you know, it hadn't been that long since Bobby Petrino showed them that it is possible there. And I think fans hold on to that. And what Houston Nutt did, they hold on to that. And they've been searching for that. Belama, good coach, didn't get him there. Chad Morris, disastrous run. The expectations are higher in Arkansas than I think people realize. And for that...
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not you and your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
2: Yeah, it's the uh, I've got them much higher. We'll, I'll talk about them later. But you, you know, you know, Arkansas obviously, and it's slightly different than from some other SEC uh, locales. It's the only game in town in the state. Um, you know, Georgia football is very popular, and I'm not saying Georgia football fans don't have high standards or passion, but some of them have the Braves, the Falcons, like in. Mm-hmm. Arkansas University of Arkansas football is the it's the, the only, only thing the only thing. So okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. go. My number six is Jimbo Fisher, factoring in sort of expectations and contract interesting
1: I had him much higher on my list okay
2: well I'm I'm probably picking a bad year to do this a bad time to do this because obviously he looks like he's broken through I just think that that 75 million dollar contract and it might just be externally that might just be what we say from the outside that is always going to be discussed no matter what Texas A&M does yeah, but he's got he's making seventy five million dollars, so he should be this good. Or he's mm-hmm. making seventy five million dollars, nine wins, ten wins isn't enough. So I just I feel like when you sign that contract and good for him and good for A and M for getting him, there's just there's always gonna be that chatter.
1: There is, but Andy and I were looking in awe at the thirty million dollars, depending on if they hire Kevin <laughs> Steele, the twenty one to thirty million dollars that Auburn has paid and saying, Wow, I don't know that I've heard of a buyout much bigger uh I believe uh, Mr. Jimbo would be if I'm doing my math right this is year 3 right so that yes. would be a ending year 3 50, 52 million million dollar buyout <laughs> for Jimbo and it's a measure of where we are right now and so my number I guess 6 is Kirby Smart and I think that's because this is as low as it's going to get for Georgia right now I think you're in that this is the bad year this is as bad as the bad year is going to get and you know these these rankings are going to fluctuate a lot but I think right now, people are a little frustrated. This was a team that was better than what they are right now, and I think when you look at their roster, you look at their recruiting, I think they're going to jump back up, but he's sort of in the valley right now. I think they're going to be okay long-term. But, when you look at that talent, and you look at what Georgia has, and we did this you know, earlier this season, Georgia's the best job in the country. Mark Richt proved, if you're sitting there in 9-10 and 10 win land, boy, you better watch your back uh, Georgia, and that's just what it is. And so, Right now, that's where Kirby Smart's living, and that's what lands him on number six on my list.
2: I'll go five and four together because I had Smart four. So let me hit on Smart. Okay. I think one frustrating thing from Smart is the quarterback position. SEC fans mm-hmm. look around, they see Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, who are really good players, but they're not the caliber of recruit that Georgia's signing. And they're getting I these other. I think
1: he's got one. Yes, not only on the field, but coming as well. Right, Rock right. And, and but JT they've Daniels. they've
2: been signing good quarterbacks, but they haven't for tran- whatever reason they have not been getting great quarterbacks production. So, SC Georgia fans say we have all this talent. Look at all this. Look at all this. You know, at, at the teams that we we need to be better than. We recruiting higher-ranked guys, and those guys are more productive. So why can't we be there? So I think that just adds a layer to the frustration there. I went five. Mm-hmm. Mark Stoops, a guy who's obviously he's re- established a program there um, and they, they've been consistently strong, just just swapped out some, some uh, members of his offensive staff, realized that he needed to upgrade there as well too. So, I mean, he's on solid ground, but if they implode and – and and go two and ten next year, and they get passed on the food chain by you know everyone in the SEC East, or maybe everyone but Vanderbilt. Then then the heat starts. You know you're never that safe. Uh, I don't care who you are in the SEC. So uh, obviously Stoops yeah. has done a great job, but we're we're getting to the high point of the list now, where you know, it's, it's it's tough to yeah. find reasons.
1: I think so. My four was Dan Mullen, only because can't keep he got his mouth the shut. Yeah, you got the trajectory. He's probably ruffled a little feathers with the with the complaining. You know, you are coming off of a rough loss, of course, but you know, winning the East is not good enough for Florida. I mean, ask Jim McElwain. You know, it's just not. Um, and so, the expectations are so high there, and and he's done a he's had a great three year run, winning, winning big, showing that. Maybe more could be down the line, but it hasn't actually done that yet. So if they trip up and you, you stumble into a 7-5 and five situation, their roster is not good enough to say, well, that's impossible. They can't go 7-5. They can. I don't think they will. But next year when you don't have Trask, I'm not a huge Emery Jones believer. We'll see. Um, you know, just when you look at the rest of the guys on this list, you know, my number three was Mark Stoops. I think the biggest thing working in Stoops' favor... Is are you sure you can do better than this? Because I'm not. Yeah. And I think you look around and you say bowl games, top fifteen. You're beating Penn State. You're doing all these things. Can somebody else do that at Kentucky? Because I am not so sure that anyone can. I'm probably not touching Mark. Even if he goes two and ten next year, I'm saying you're gonna have to do that again before I really seriously think about making a move. Agree.
2: And one thing to Mullen, I had Mullen number two on my list, so very mm-hmm. high. Um. He is undoubtedly one of the better coaches in the country, but they, while they're recruiting, this is the best class they've had since 2003, I believe. It's a top 10 class, and we've talked about this. The gap is actually getting wider. If you look at the top 100 players that they're bringing in versus what Georgia's bringing in, what Alabama and LSU are bringing in, they're not bringing in as many elite, elite players. Now, you could say that doesn't matter because Dan Mullen coaches them up and look what they've done on the field this year but the margin mm-hmm. of error is just you know it's finer when you're when your talent isn't as as good so um, I don't expect flor I think Florida I think we're going to see to quote the the Ohio State Michigan a great ten year war between Florida and Georgia um, I think you're right. in the SEC so I'm not anticipating this at all I'm just giving some reasons why Dan Mullen might you know wouldn't be number one but i, I mean, I've got him two on this list so i've got I've already talked Kirby smart I had Sam Pittman three I just thought just I, I know the points you made. I just thought the exceeding expectations so much in year one, and how popular he is too. And
1: that that helps him. But I just think one year hand. is not enough. Yeah, yeah so one I, year is just not enough.
2: So yeah, I mean, look, what happens if they go two and ten next year, one eleven? No, none of us think that will happen. But I think he's got enough credibility. You know, enough. You know, credibility with the fan base, and and I'd be shocked if we're at this point next year if there is whispers about Sam Pittman's job security.
1: Mm-hmm. Might I remind you that the bottom man on our list was extended, but a three months ago. <laughs> Very good point. There you go. Uh, so number two, the $52 million man, I suppose if my math is correct. I'm not a math major. You know, Jimbo sitting there. This was the year that they had to kind of prove something, and here they are sitting at number five. Whether they get to the playoff or not, already a successful season for AM. Uh, really promising year. Um, Recruiting well. I mean, they're not Alabama yet. I don't know if they ever will be, but this is as solid as A&M has felt in some ways. I mean, even during the heyday of the Johnny years at A&M, you heard heard stuff that said, "Ah, this doesn't feel sustainable. The way this is going, like, this is not... I don't love what I'm hearing out of how this program operates, and you don't hear that stuff really at A&M. So... Props to Jimbo, and then the question for our number one guy, who we both agree is uh, uh, Mr. Clark Lee. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm glad what, you brought what, it up. What would it, what would it take to, to, for Nick Saban to be fired?
2: I mean, aside from you know murder, killing someone, getting you know arrested, um, how many, how many eight and four seasons in a row would it have to? Would would Nick eight forget four, his age. I'm gonna I'm for, gonna
1: say I'm gonna say. Four Four years of eight and four would do it.
2: I was going to say forget his age, but that would be the convenient way to dismiss him. Like yeah. you know what, he's next seventy whatever years old or eighty years old. He's eight and f- we appreciate what he's done, but you know we're, we're not here to win eight games. So it's
1: probably it's probably three or four years of that before they say this is you know. Because what's going to happen is, well, one year and that's an aberration. Watch what Auburn does. Look, it, it, yeah. If Auburn yeah, does something and Auburn
2: beats them out in the SEC West, you know, three years. In a row. I mean, this is all just stupid, crazy talk. But the conversation <laughs> would
1: be, I can tell you how. Look, one year, big. Well, that's an aberration. They had some injuries or whatever. Yeah. Two years. Well, we got to shake up the staff. Once we shake up the staff, we'll be fine. And then three years, you start getting into you know apocalyptic territory and then you know mid season year 4 you say uh, he's going to step aside <laughs> that's that's how it goes uh, i don't think we're in that we're in that zone i don't think we're ever going to see that but i think that's how it would play out in reality and, and
2: for you young people out there you know i grew up uh, i my, my dad is an alabama graduate so i'm very familiar with this program the, the, there was mm-hmm. there was a time a long period of time as everyone knows or most people know post bear bryant and pre nick Saban, you obviously had Eugene Stallings era, which was short, that, uh, you know, you had Mike Shula, you, 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 you went seven, eight games, and sometimes eight games was considered a good year. And mm-hmm. so this is, uh, I guess we all knew it was possible at Alabama, of course, but I don't know if we saw this dynasty coming, and I know I'm opening up, but, you know, this is another conversation, but this is this is not a, yeah. no No program is immune to a bad coach, and Alabama is yeah. the perfect lesson for that.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Well, let's get into the games this week. we got to start with the SEC title game. I am not as excited for this game as I was three weeks ago. Florida's come to earth a little bit. I just think you know, we're staring down the barrel of a, of a 55-20 situation here. I just don't... I don't see a way that the Florida is competitive in this game. Maybe they hang around early. They got to find some ways to steal possessions. I just, I just don't see the path to victory here.
2: I'm with you, Dave, and I'm disappointed because I really wanted to see. You know, we all want to see good championship games, and it's not just yeah, the SEC. I think
1: Alabama's defense is canceling the track meet.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's not just the SEC either. Just look at the scores of championship games in recent years with Clemson uh. destroying people in, in Ohio State. I'm just, I'm trying to come up, you know, Florida has good, obviously very good personnel on offense, and I don't want to say one game changed my opinion of Kyle Trask, but he did not look like the same Kyle Trask as we've seen all year. Now, when he when they needed him late, he made some big throws, he got him down the field, it just, it, it wasn't effortless like it has been in previous games, and that's what concerns me, and they can't you can't make a mistake to beat Alabama. Like you said, you need to steal possessions, you can't give away possessions, and mm-hmm. I, you have to be almost perfect, and that's sometimes not enough. And I go back to the Kentucky game, and I know Florida's a lot better than Kentucky, but Kentucky played a great first quarter against Alabama and scored three points, I think, because they kept turning the ball over in the red zone. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to be – you have to score touchdowns. You can't kick field goals. Um, So I hope – I mean, I hope Florida – I hope it's a great game into the fourth quarter. I just don't
1: anticipate it. I don't either. Meanwhile, the Aggies kicking things off. This is just a terrible matchup for Tennessee, I think, you know. That Aggies offensive line, I think, is just going to completely control this game. Tennessee just has not shown at any point this season the ability. You know, they don't have the horses to score enough points to keep up with that. I think A and M quite literally runs away with this one. Uh, this feels like a like a thirty seven thirteen situation, probably something like that.
2: I know this is a more. It's always a difficult question to answer. It's more difficult uh, this year because of. You're just not around the program. You're literally in the press box and on Zoom, and, mm-hmm. and and it's an unprecedented year that we're playing regular season games in December. But what what would you say the morale of the Tennessee program is right now? The kids, the players.
1: The players have been okay. They have not had any effort issues. Um, however, they've done it. the The coaching staff has kept them, you know, invested. They sort of say the right things every game. You know, the second half against Kentucky was the only time where you could really question the effort. You know, they've the effort has been there. It's just the turnovers have killed them. You know, they've been better since they made the quarterback switch. Um, so credit to Tennessee for that. Um, you know, they haven't they haven't given up on this season. I, anyone watching this team, you know, can't say that.
2: Yeah, and I would say that's I've been you know watch a lot of college football and under obviously these are difficult circumstances. You've seen most for the most part teams battling and the kids. You know, a lot of kids are opting out and the ones that aren't seem to be invested and in, you know we we have seen that at Tennessee um so that's that's been good to see so uh, we've mm-hmm. got uh
1: Ole Miss and LSU will be interesting a good because a good
2: underrated rivalry national I mean I think it, we know yeah, it's a I rivalry think so. but
1: I think it's underrated
2: people you know around the country don't realize that these schools really don't like each other
1: when LSU and Ole Miss I mean, when LSU and Florida were playing last week I was squatching with one eye I was bracing myself I was like poor LSU this could get just absolutely terrible and it, it never happened um so the question I suppose is is this a turning point um for LSU or would we get kind of a one game aberration we'll find out
2: yeah this is you know it, the the Texas A&M Tennessee games at 11 or noon uh Eastern you'll be there I'll be mm-hmm. on the couch all day. This Ole Miss-LSU game, you know, it's the Missouri-Mississippi State game, which we'll get us at the same time, this Ole Miss-LSU game is, has the potential to be extremely entertaining. It could um, be really fun. I liked what I saw from Johnson, uh, at quarterback for LSU. Um, and Ole Miss hasn't – we haven't seen them a lot lately, but they're clearly one of the most fun teams out there. And, again, these teams don't like each other. Um, so I'm looking forward to this game. I'm going to go Ole Miss a little upset. I think it will let down for LSU that they, that was their statement. Um, but nothing would surprise me in this game. Um, mm-hmm. g- glad they're playing; it'll be a nice little appetite. I'll, you know, the ACC championship game will be on as well. So this may, this might be my second screen. We'll see how the Notre Dame. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got I got to scout out that Clark Lee defense against Clemson. So we'll we'll see what, uh, what what happens there.
1: You know, we talked coaching carousel earlier in the show. If you're Lane Kiffin and Auburn approaches you, or if you're Auburn. And do you consider Lane Kiffin? If you're Lane Kiffin, do you consider Auburn? If it gets to that,
2: can I? This is going to be a weak statement. You might just say I'm just an idiot. But I something about the intra conference coaching moves bothers me. I just don't like it. Tommy Tuberville didn't like it. I mean, once it's going I made away.
1: the exact same move from a pine box to the plains.
2: I I, I know. And and back when. When I was in college, I guess it was after I was in college. Jerry DeNaro left Vanderbilt for LSU. Now that that's clearly a huge step up, mm-hmm. um, we've seen Steve Spurrier coach two different SEC East teams, but that wasn't leaving one for the other. We've seen Will Muschamp do it. So does that am I? Does that bother you at all? Nope. No. Okay. I didn't think it would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just I'm so much more ethical than you. I have more ethics than you.
1: Yeah, you are. No, I just think. Um... I think it's more fun. I I like when (laughs) you just like fun. Well, I like fun. I like entertainment. That's why I like sports. And I think when you have fan bases that maybe didn't care about each other previously and then suddenly do, it's pretty fun. I mean, I think, you know, for Arkansas, for example, you know, I grew up there. They didn't really, there's no one that Arkansas fans really care about. They just, there's no one that they want to beat 365 days a year in the SEC. It's Texas. That's who they care about. And they never get to play them in anything. But when, when Houston Nutt left and went to Ole Miss, well, he was fired, but then he gets hired from Ole Miss. You know who Arkansas fans were dreaming about beating 365 days out of the year? Ole Miss. Right. <laughs> That's the only team in my lifetime that they really, really, really cared about. And it was a very small window, but it was fun. And, you know, I'd like to see a little uh, a little more Ole Miss-Auburn uh, ha So I'll take it. That, that'd be fun. Uh, Bru- elsewhere. Real quick, and I
2: know we got to go soon, but Auburn is um, entertaining, I guess. There seemed to be a lot of Kevin Steele momentum earlier in the week. I I don't know if that is still the case, and I realize coaches get better. I realize this was a long time ago, but Kevin Steele authored one of the most horrific coaching tenures in college football history, Um, 1-31 in in the Big 12 in four years at Baylor. Average margin of defeat, 32.5 points per game. Only one of those losses was by fourteen points or fewer. The one win was by beat Kansas by three. Here's another stat for you. In the last twenty five years, Steele has the worst average point differential as a head coach minimum of forty games. Again, we've seen we've seen Ed Ogeron go from a bad record at Ole Miss to winning a national championship. This is beyond what Ed Ogeron was at Ole Miss. And I just I can't see firing Gus on to hire Kevin Steele.
1: Yeah, it seems far-fetched, uh, and I think, too, Kevin, uh, It's that was a million years ago, and I understand that, but the, the optics of spending $21 million to fire your head coach, to hire your own coordinator, seems insane to me, and especially someone that is not exactly an up-and-coming coordinator. He's somebody who presided over one of the most infamous losses in college football history, for fans who don't know, when he was at Baylor. They were inside the ten yard line, up three against a very bad UNLV team. Wanted to punch it into, I believe the term was make a statement, which they did make a statement. But it was the statement of fumbling and giving up a ninety nine yard fumble return the other way to uh, snatch uh, a loss from the jaws of victory. I think and, it's on uh, YouTube. I've looked. At, I've. I know I've no. It's incredible. It is. It is. It's horrific. It's one of the. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's watching the kind It's been twenty slashed. years. Yes. It's been twenty years, and I. It's still that's on the that's on the short list of worst college football losses ever. Uh, closing the SEC schedule, I'm not that excited about Missouri and Mississippi State. Uh, I guess we could feign some excitement, but we're just here at the end of the season. You know, these are two programs that don't particularly care about each other, aren't particularly good. I think Missouri wins this game. I was surprised they're like barely favored in this game. It's close to a pick 'em. I like the Tigers to win relatively big here. Yeah, I think Double Missouri points.
2: was had been playing well, but as most people documented their three wins, I believe we're all at home against teams with bad records. And then Georgia mm-hmm. kind of, after a slow start, Georgia just kind of said, we're Georgia, you're Missouri. So um, I am intrigued by what happens in this game. I probably will not watch any of this game. I will look at the box score. <laughs> it's one of those I want the results. I don't want to see how it's made. So um, it will be on my third screen if I have it. Yeah, third that's screen. a third screener. I'll yeah. keep
1: an eye on it, but I uh, we'll see. That's a that's a phone situation. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, subscribing. If you're not subscribed to the Athletic, if you change that, go to theathleticcom grits. We've got a great buy one get one free offer as well. Put a little uh nice sports writing under the tree for your dad your friend your boss whatever they'll like it um so thank you guys for tuning in for mitch light i am david oven this has been football and grits the thursday edition we'll be back with some picks on friday thank you all we'll see you again tomorrow <laughs>